0: Welcome to episode 91 of From the Shed End. Fio, how are you doing?
1: Like I always say on this pod, the Chelsea side, I'm doing, I'm doing well, looking forward to the bank holiday weekend. Um that's coming up this weekend and uh crazy enough i'm looking forward to a second consecutive weekend of no chelsea football uh yeah it's kind of enjoyable you know you're not gonna have chelsea you're not gonna have to go to Stamford bridge or watch chelsea on tv at 3 p.m whichever time of day it is lose to wolves aston villa brentford whichever team it may be so um so yeah looking forward to just enjoying bank holiday with some friends and family and not having to watch the watch the game um but yeah not bad thanks how are you doing
0: I'm good, I'm good, you know, all, all things considered, um, like you. In fact, I really enjoyed last weekend, just, I was able to watch football without any sort of real passion, and just enjoy the games for what they were, and this weekend will be very similar. There's been some really good games throughout the week as well, um, but yeah, I'm good, I'm good The sunshine, and hay fever's kicked in, summer is a, summer is almost upon us, so yeah, it's a good, it's a good time to maybe record and just uh, get this episode out of the way, seeing as we're here. We're in turmoil at the moment But if you are new to the channel Please make sure you subscribe um, Previous subscribers Again we appreciate that you're you're tuned in um, Keep liking the videos Keep leaving comments Keep clicking on the links and, and subscribing And following all the socials as well But let's get straight into it um, Disappointing for, for Chelsea women last night um, Tough, tough ground to go to um, Little facts I've played there It's a really good, nice stadium to play at But really really difficult to go there and get a result at the new camp um camp new as some as some people call it what's your thoughts on, on on overall the some of the game that you know over the two legs i know you went to the you went to the first leg at stanford bridge and how was that what was experience like there? obviously you know um i don't know how many women's games you've got to this season but what was it like going what was the, what was it like in terms of the game
1: yeah, some people, I think nowadays, they call it the Spotify new camp as well. That's another one to add to yeah. this. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, game last weekend was good. Um, I mentioned there was no Chelsea men's games last weekend, but managed to get to Stanford Bridge to watch the Chelsea-Barcelona first leg of the semi-final. It was a good game, good game. Um, I did feel like maybe Barcelona were the better team, if I'm completely honest. Um, they, um, they had a chance early on and they scored a really good goal as well. Um, Chelsea I think they they put a ball in the back of the net twice but both times offside um, but I think the main thing I wanted to highlight was the the crowd I think we were just under 30,000 people at Stamford Bridge mm. um, for a Chelsea ladies women's game which I think is a record um, so it was great to see uh, so many people you know take time out of their day on a Saturday go watch the ladies go support them as well but also so many fans kind of with kits with the Sam Kerr's name on the back with um, with uh, Périsse's name on the back, uh, Melanie Lepoz. So like so many Chelsea fans, you know, kind of really committed to watching the ladies' team supporting them, not just, you know, in a Champions League semi-final, but throughout the season. And great for support and banners for Emma Hayes as well around Stamford Bridge. So overall, it was a good atmosphere. felt very friendly. Um, Shame we couldn't get a, a goal, though, on the... At Stamford Bridge and give us a little bit of an advantage going into the second leg, which unfortunately we couldn't. Um, we couldn't win it. We we only managed to get a draw. Um, we scored the, the equaliser, I think, in the 69th for 70th minute, which was just too late. But like you mentioned, a uh, very difficult ground to go to, um, New Camp. Um, I think it was probably a very good experience for us. Um, the ladies playing there as well and getting to a semi-final, just falling short of the final, but nevertheless a fantastic achievement, and they should be very proud of themselves.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think I read um, before the game yesterday that Barcelona this is the third successive uh, season that they've got to the Champions League final. So it's no, they're no pushover. You know, they're they're well, you know, well familiar with getting into the final of uh, the, the Women's Champions League final. So you know to get that far into to the competition um, is a massive achievement. And like you said, Emma Hayes has done wonders, you know, throughout her time at, at, at the at the club. Um, and it's, I can't remember what game it was. It was a snippet of the dressing room or maybe the pre-match meeting mm. that they had. And just that mentality of, you know, she's almost saying, you know, which else we, we don't deserve to, to play shit football basically is what she was saying rubbish football you know and having that mentality drilled into you even men or women's you know is always going to be a good thing youth youth team as well um so you know she's got a winner's mentality and you can see she's almost the 12th player out there you know um and after the game you can you know heart on her sleeve passion inside her so um massive achievement and and like i said you know just to feel um, the, the the new campers as it was yesterday last night was was good to see you know in terms of women's football where it is where it's progressing to as well um and, and like you said you know it just fell short you know i think it was 1-1 last night in the second leg um just, just to fall short at the final hurdle um but it was a really difficult game you know i, I did see some of the first half um and barcelona dominated you know maybe similar to the, the the match you went to at the on saturday but it was a game where barcelona you can tell they're well organized they're well drilled at that level um in terms of european football and and they just looked really sharp, um, bit better in the second half with bits that I did get to catch. But from Chelsea, but it was just, you know, what one goal too many, you know, over the two legs, unfortunately, uh, for for the for the women.
1: Yeah, definitely, and just again highlighting the achievements that Emma Hayes has has accomplished while she's been manager of the Chelsea ladies. And I think I even read yesterday she's um, managing the England team at Soccer Aid this summer as well. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. Which goes to show how much she's kind of like progressed and, you know, she's not going to be, she's going to be managing some celebrities, but there's some big names in there as well. The likes of Gary Cahill, David Seaman. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of really good to see that as well, that she's kind of being recognised not only in the ladies football, but around the kind of um, the, the sports industry as
0: well. Yeah, massive. I still think she's going to get a job in in uh, men's football. I really do mm. think she could do... Oh, I'm going to say it. I think we're both probably thinking it. She could probably do a better job than Frank Lampard at the moment, to be fair. Um, you know, it, it's no better time to jump, jump back over to the dark side of Chelsea, which is the men's team. Um, Brentford. I, I mean, I... I <laughs> It's, I said to you before, um, or maybe during or after the game, but it's the first time I've actually just refused to carry on watching football for Chelsea. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to actually watch this game um, of football. Let, let, I want to try and dissect this into sort of three segments. I want to talk about Frank Lampard afterwards, but also Maurizio Pottuccino who is potentially in line to take over from Frank Lampard. But let's just talk about the game Um during the week I think was it Tuesday Tuesday night Wednesday Tuesday
1: Mm, Wednesday Wednesday. I think it was
0: that bad I don't even know (laughs) what day it was on um so Wednesday night and I want to try and dissect it and start with the lineup which I think you look back to the previous game uh very defensive and we thought maybe Frank Lampard in his press conference said he's going to change things he's going to allow certain players you know now that there's nothing to play for to play in the team but just talking about the lineup because it was very very defensive again it was a it was a lineup that didn't scream. Uh, you know we were going to get any goals. You know Sterling, I think was up top on his own. But what's your thoughts on the lineup?
1: I think the lineup was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, you look at we've got a month left of football. I think maybe five or six games remaining in the season. Uh, like Lampard said, it's an opportunity maybe to rotate, play some players that maybe won't get haven't had as much game time throughout this season. Youngsters as well. I was expecting to see Madweke start, Madurek, maybe Kani, Chukumweka. Uh, I'm guys' name right. I finally got his name right. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, he, he opts for like players that have just been underperforming throughout the season. It, he went for um, Raheem Sterling. He went for Con, um, Kovacic, Conor Gallagher, Cesar Puliqueto, who made his first appearance since that head concussion um, mm. back in February, and players that, quite frankly, probably won't be at Chelsea for much longer. I looked at Kovacic, his body language; everything was completely wrong about him. He could even put string two passes together. Um, and it looks like more and more likely that his agent's pushing for a move to Man City or even Bayern Munich now. Um, And then, like I said, mentioned, you've got Madweke, Chukumweka, um, even Dachro Fofano, who I haven't seen feature in a very long time. You know, players that are probably raring to go. Mudrik, who had a fairly good impact off the bench, uh, like he did um, in his uh, his appearance against Brighton as well. But I think the main thing that I noticed of that lineup was just Gallagher and Sterling as the front two. They're not exactly the tallest of players, and when we did finally manage to put in a good corner or a good cross into the box, which was very rare to start off, there was just no one in there to header it or no one finding that space. So it just looked like every time we kind of got the ball, we were either going to lose it or not do anything with it or just pass it around the box until it eventually ends up with Kepa again. Um, so no, I just kind of don't really want to be seen as kind of Kovacic, Kante, um, Gallagher, uh, what was the last one, Enzo kind of midfield because it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. And one maybe positive from that game was the subs we made. As soon as we brought on Yang, it looked like we had someone in the box to actually get the ball to. Um, he had a, maybe one decent head away, just skimmed over the bar. But it's, other than that, it was just dire football, really dire football. And the lineup was the first thing that kind of made you think we're not going to win this game.
0: Mm. It was always going to be. I think it was always going to be a difficult game because I think when we look back to the last game at Sanford Bridge against Brentford, I think it was four one. So it was always going to be a really difficult game. We know what Brentford are about. You know how much I've been screaming about Ivan Tony and, and and Brentford as a whole. I mean they've got a really good manager uh, and really good team, and they, I mean they're not doing as well as. I probably would have expected him. I think Tony's on nineteen goals this season. I think, um, so you know, you'd kind of expect them to be maybe higher up. I think they're they're tenth, just above us in the league. But nonetheless, I mean, they got the three points, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. The the lineup for me screened. I want to play it safe, and I don't want it to get. I don't want to get thrashed four one by Brentford, but. It was poor. It was poor from, from. I was surprised at Aspilicueta, who, like you said, hasn't played since February. We're now, we're now talking about the last week in April. So he's missed a lot of football. Um, for him to come in at right wing back as well, when we know, <laughs> if you've been watching Chelsea this season or even the season before, his legs were, I mean, I'll give him his credit. because I think it was, I can't remember if it was Wieser. I can't remember who it was, but he literally tracked the run. He'd done really well. I think it was in the first half and he tracked the run back and mm-hmm. he done really well. So I'll give him his credit there. But we know he can't play right-wing back. So why have we got, why have we got him playing right-wing back? It's unfair. It's unfair on Aspilicueta to, to expect him to play after so many games out and then come back in and play uh, such a pivotal role. But the midfield, like you said, was just, it was shocking. You know, Kovacic clearly wants out. I read earlier on, he's not happy at the club kante playing so far i mean kante's almost been playing as a striker the last couple of games it's, it's such a I, you know i watched him on, on on wednesday and i'm not sure what his role was one minute he was on the right side he was on the left side he was roaming around he's he's here there and everywhere um and sterling i mean i just i just don't i mean like you said the height was a massive massive issue and the ball comes into the box and ben Chilwell's the only player in the box it just didn't make any sense i was so I mean he told me that Frank Lampard and I say this with all the the you know the, the nicest things I could say about Frank Lampard in the world but he's just not quite had to be a manager. He can't manage football teams. He can't coach, he can't manage. He's been at Derby and not really done well. Everton, he's been at Chelsea, he's back at Chelsea and this I mean we've scored one goal I think under Frank Lampard in five games. It's poor. It's poor team selection. And I do agree with you, Mudrick and Abamian coming on was brilliant, but why not start with him? Why not start with those players at the very start? David Datra for you know, Carney Chukwameka, as you said. You now these players need time. They're going, to be in the, they're going to be in and amongst the squad next season. Start giving them the time now to understand what their roles are going to be next season. It was, it was car crash football, honestly. It's a, and I've never seen Stamford Bridge empty, as, and so many empty seats as, as that at Stamford Bridge uh, for a Premier League game. Even at this part of the season So um, The goals I mean I, I'm trying to remember them I, I think I blacked out The, the two goals um, I think quetta off the corner Another another set piece goal um, I'm trying to think the second I, I, feel, I think I blacked yeah. out I think I stopped watching And Embumo <laughs> kind
1: um, of um, Cutting past easily Way too easily Past Fafana, Fafana. Yep. Then t- t- Deflects off um, Silva To so two deflections And then it goes Wesley, over yeah. Kepa but like you said, I think we're just shooting ourselves in the foot from the off of the lineup. Playing as Pilacueta, right wing back is a recipe for disaster. He was hooked off at half time, I think, along with Gallagher. Um, but I, as, yeah, I listen. Lampard's come in to do a job until the end of the season, steady the ship, maybe kind of unite the fans a bit. Given that things weren't great under um, under um, Graham Potter, um, but I think just Wednesday just summed up our season. Were, stadium was empty. The, the atmosphere was dead. I was in the shed, which is usually kind of a buzzing stand, and there were about eight or nine empty seats in my row of about 15 seats. Um, And I think Jason Cundy, uh, he he summed it up quite well. I've got a quote here. He said, I'm actually numb numb to it now. I'm numb to what's going on at Stamford Bridge. There's so much wrong at Chelsea Football Club from top to bottom. I went there tonight thinking that a draw is the best we could get, Brentford we're in disarray forget the squad of players the club is in disarray there's no getting away from it and I think he's right the problems stem more spot on further than just the players and the the manager it's the club and even I'm not sure you got to see it but at half time they were or even at full time they were giving away t-shirts and cannons to the crowd there were, I think, only fan models stripping stripping down in the stands at full time when it was empty. It just feels like it's almost like a circus, you know? We're trying to turn it into some kind of NBA spectacle or attraction. Um, it's hard to know, man. It's it's, it's it's hard. I'm not really recognizing my club anymore or the yeah. experience I used to get at Stamford Bridge. And I really hope that changes. And I hope it's just kind of this short period of time maybe where it's easier to get tickets given. And I think there was still so many available on... Um, on the exchange before kickoff and I even send you the link mm. and then you were saying you're thinking of going and I said you'll be thankful you didn't after full time and <laughs> I think isn't. you're probably thankful <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think the problems, they stem further than just the manager and yep. the players and I think mm. Lampard, he's not cut out to be Chelsea manager but he's only here for a month and we're all aware of that and um, I think the problems stem more from the ownership, the way the club is ran, the, the recruitment, um, I'm sure we're going to touch upon it in a bit but firing or sacking people and then trying to and bringing them back because the players aren't happy with those decisions. Um, so, yeah, there's a
0: lot that's wrong right now with uh, Chelsea from top to bottom. It's, um, I did see the OnlyFans thing, by the way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was shocking. I can't believe that. But um, no, I agree with you 100%. You know, you're spot on. Jason Koundy's spot on as well. Um, it doesn't feel like Chelsea. It does not feel like Chelsea. And we've been in situations before where we've been in this sort of, um, you know, free for before you know, this is this isn't the first time um, this is this has happened to us, but it just feels this one could last a lot longer. You know, you think back to that Antonio Conte season. We kind of knew we were going to bounce back. We just had that feeling next season we will be okay. We'll bounce back. But this season, I I don't get it. I do not see us bouncing back immediately into those top four conversations into those Premier League title chasing conversations Champions League you know finalist or winning the Champions League I don't see that happening for us I think we're at a stage where this transition could last a couple of seasons and I, I, I feel for Lampard in a way because I feel like he he couldn't really say no to taking the job on I think he had to take the job on one he's out of work two I suppose he felt that they, he can't turn down the Chelsea job because of how his affiliation to Chelsea but it's done him no favours. I mean, where does he go from here? I mean, Frank Lampard, as a player, is a legend at the club, but he's almost ruining his legacy, in my opinion, um, for the way that things are panning out and working out on the pitch. And I, I do agree with you. you. know, It's more than just Lampard. It doesn't stop with him. It is the owners. It is the people above Frank Lampard. But when you're putting out team selections that you know is counterproductive and you know, you're waiting for a goal to go in before you make a sub... It just it just doesn't help the cause. So what what do you think is next for Lampard? Where can he can he still is he still good enough to met, to manage in the Premier League?
1: Yeah, I mean, like we said a couple of weeks ago, we thought him coming at Chelsea and maybe getting a respectable finish with the results he got, maybe going a good Champions League run, could potentially put him in the shop window for another club after he leaves Chelsea as um, the interim coach. But hasn't really done him many favors, and I think. Premier League clubs right now might not really fancy Lampard. You've got so many more attractive options with them, the likes of Ruben Amarin. You look at Aston Villa, who hired Unai Emery, and that's been a fantastic move for them. So I think Lampard he's going to have to take a step down to the championship potentially, which will be a big kind of blow to his ego, having what started there and worked his way up to the Prem. Or maybe look elsewhere, look to maybe what Gerard did in Scotland, um, go to Rangers or Celtic, Um, one of those teams build a credible reputation back in the SPL and then eventually come back to the premier league. But I think he's got a lot to learn, but at the same time, I think um, he's coming out to Chelsea in one of the worst possible periods. Um, The football we played from between now and the football we played on the Graham Potter is pretty much identical. If I'm honest, it hasn't changed much, which tells me that it's not just the coach. It's also these players that just aren't committed or motivated. Um, A lot of them only came in January. Um, They haven't really blended in properly. I feel so. Um, he needs maybe not, I'm not saying it's going to be at Chelsea but he needs a pre-season or a squad of players to build them up but yeah I think right now he isn't cut out to be a Premier League manager unfortunately
0: yeah it's, I mean it's a shame for him because I think he's got all the, the right sort of um, attitude to try and be you know a really top coach and you know you can see even just from like clips or segments from the training sessions, you can see that he's trying to get things to work. Mm. And I do think you're right as well. I think a lot of it does boil down to the players. I think we've still been here, some of them are in Mykonos and, you know, Dubai or wherever they're taking their summer holidays. But it's, it it, it's all, it seems like a, a, a combination of all of it. You know, it just seems like everything is just from top to bottom, from Todd Bowley down to, you know, the players... Um, and I read another piece as well that some of the youth players are, are also frustrated in the development squad because Todd Bowley's bringing in certain players um, the likes of maybe K- Carney Chukwameka you know those sort of players Amari Hutchinson who are coming in it's less game time for certain players who've stepped up from maybe the under 18s and gone into that dev squad who aren't getting any game time now because you've got the likes of Hutchinson in there so it seems like it's gone from senior squad dev squad it's even touching the youth team now which is, which is a shame because obviously you know, we could potentially lose some talent if they don't want to sign on for a new deal. You know, a, a club like maybe Brentford or you know, a local club like Fulham might come in for them or, you know, another London team and might pitch some of our talent over the next couple of seasons as well. So we've got to look at it from you know holistically all the way down top to bottom. It, it, it's a worrying time to be a Chelsea fan, but we've mentioned on WhatsApp a few times about Maurizio Potticino, um, who seems to be the front runner now. It looks like Julian Nagelsman and Lewis Enrique Throwing in the towel. Um, Nagelsman, I think, is in talks now with Tottenham and Lewis Enrique's still chilling it out in Spain somewhere, I think. But uh, Mauricio pochettino it's a good shout. It's one that I wasn't really keen on, but I'm warm, I've warmed up to the idea. But what's your thoughts on Pochettino potentially, I think, in the next couple of days or at least in the next week or so to be announced as the, the new Chelsea manager?
1: Yeah, I think similarly to you, like a couple of weeks ago, I was much more in favour of Enrique Nagelsmann, potentially Ruben Amarem. Um, but now that Pochettino seems, you know, it's a, he is the front runner, and I think it's a matter of time before it happens in the next few weeks. I'm starting to warm up to the idea. I'm quite keen on him. I think he's a very likeable manager. He's um, He works really well with youth, youth players. Premier League experience as well, which is very important. And I'm not saying Premier League experience in the likes of Graham Potter. I'm talking Premier League experience in the, you know, the likes of a player that a manager that made it to a Champions League final with a Premier League team. Um, got consistent top four with a Premier League team as well. My one part that maybe I'm slightly worried about or a bit um, apprehensive is that he's not really won a major trophy in his career. Um, I think in his first season at uh, PSG, he won the League 1, but in his second fourth season, I think he lost out to to Lille in, uh, in Ligue 1, which isn't really reassuring given that it's a lot weaker league than the Premier League. And he was working with a very talented pool of players in Paris, um, but the yeah, other thing that kind of makes me a bit more excited is, um, like I said, the the fact that you can work well with youth players, but also the Enzo Fernandez kind of Argentinian chemistry he might have. When you've invested over 100 million in a player, you've got to get him hit in the ground running and performing. And I think that maybe kind of having that manager who speaks the language, who knows the country, who knows what the players kind of, you know, warm up to or how they've been brought up and how you can get them to play good football, I think could be really, really important. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of keen on the idea and it's getting to that stage now where I just feel like we need a manager in who can, in the next couple of weeks, be at Stanford Bridge, hopefully for that Newcastle game or the Nottingham Forest game, mm. watch it from the stands and then come in at the beginning of June and have his say in who, come, who stays, who leaves, um, the kind of training sessions he wants to implement during pre-season to get these players performing again. I think that's really important because, like I mentioned it before, you had Ten Hag. Um, I think he was announced this time last year. Um, he came in, he took, he cancelled all his holiday plans went to Carrington. He did what he had to do, and sure, they maybe they had a bit of a rough start at the the beginning of the season, but now I feel like United look like a proper football club. They look like you know they're in an FA Cup final, they got to a League Cup final. They're they're undoubtedly going to get top four. I think that's what we need to do next season. We need to just focus on going on good cup runs, getting top four, and getting our summer signings or summer signings from the previous year to perform. Um, So, yeah, I think um, Pochettino, I am starting to warm up, warm to the idea, and I hope, um, like I said, it's announced in the next couple of weeks.
0: Um, I think I, I, I'm definitely with you I think he's I mean I still have reservations I think I'm always going to have reservations of whoever came in to replace Thomas Tuchel whether that's Graham Potter Frank Lampard Potichino whoever I think when something was working so well it was always going to be I think they'd done the right because he was, was always in line after Tuchel got sacked to potentially take over from, from Thomas Tuchel and I think they'd done the right thing by allowing Graham Potter to, to take the job I couldn't. I don't think you could have gone from Thomas Tuchel to Muzio Pottachino. I don't think that would have worked, and I'm glad it never because we could have been. In, we could be talking about Pottachino as, as we've been speaking about Graham Potter for the last couple of months. Or that, that transitional period was always going to be difficult for whoever came in. I feel like things are slightly better than where they were. You know, when we started the season after sacking Thomas Tuchel. I think this is probably the best time to get in a manager like Poticino. Um I actually didn't think about the Enzo. Potocino link to you just said it so it's something that I'm now even more excited to see someone like that and you touched on a good point around the young players getting some of those you know the Madweckis and Mudricks and you know Chukomekas, uh, Man Malagusto when he's when he signed he eventually joins us um, you know, those sort of players, getting them in the right I don't know right I don't know the right system getting them ready to play in the right the right team you know um, I'm looking forward to that because I think one thing we, we, we've definitely lacked over the last couple of seasons is someone who understands how to to adapt. And I think Potticino is very good at adapting in terms of in-game, you know, in-game tactics and in-game management. He's very good at doing that. So I'm looking forward to that. Seeing that side of things, I like the fact he's managed in the Prem. You know, you have to think back to when he was at Southampton. He had a mm-hmm. he had a relatively good squad at Southampton, and they have done actually okay. I mean, I'm not saying they, you know, went on and done. Invincibles, but they have done okay for Southampton for their level. Tottenham, I, I think he hit a ceiling. I think he, you know, yes, they had Harry Kane, they've got Son, but I think he hit a ceiling. There's only so much he could do without recruitment, without bringing in certain plays to to make the team better. And it, the, the the owners over there don't do that. They don't invest well. So I think he hit the ceiling. You know, God, God, I remember got to a Champions League final. They were in contention for the league as much as I think they finished below Arsenal that season, I think, in the end. Um, Battle Battle of Stamford Bridge killed all their hopes. But, you know, you have to think they did. He did do really well at Tottenham for what the tools that he had to do a job. So he's got better players at Chelsea. Let's be honest, the the players at Chelsea are a lot better than the Eric Dyers. And um, I'm trying to think who else was there at the time, you know, all those sort of average but, players at Spurs so.
1: you know Vertonghen's out of roads yeah. Ben Davis yeah. uh, Chadley yeah.
0: uh, <laughs> Danny Rose I mean they, they, Danny these Rose these players that He's are players that are um average at best they're not premier league winners so and i'm not saying we have loads of those but i'm just saying you would expect us over that spurs team on paper to be better so i'm looking forward to i think it's a good challenge i agree with you i think he needs to be in very very soon there's still that deadline and i I think about june the 30th of june that deadline is creeping up you know we're we're in may next week so you know you want him in you want him to, to make decisions have a say at the table Um, Frank Lampard's willing to stay on as interim even after I think his stint as interim to be the soundboard bounce ideas often have meetings with Potecino or whoever comes in um, with his coaching staff as well so I'm looking forward to that bit I think weeding out the players that we need to get gone bringing in certain players and maybe adding a striker adding a goalkeeper adding a DM Um, I'm looking forward to that period and hopefully we get that period right as well
1: yeah and one last thing about the kind of managers we've shared with Spurs Conte Mourinho they yeah. want big trophies at Chelsea they want F all yeah. at Tottenham Pochettino yeah. Yeah. didn't win anything at Tottenham so it feels like maybe should he come to Chelsea work with a better team which I do think Chelsea's squad is better than Tottenham's on paper yeah. um, I think he could be It could be he could be winning some trophies I really think so I think it's obviously going to have to be some baby steps I don't think we're going to go straight in for the Prem or the Champions League again but if we can get to some cup finals um, have a respectable finish in the Prem and get back into top four which I think is the main goal for next season then I think that'll be a really successful kind of first um, first season for Poch. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. And creator Lampard is willing to stay on within a couple of weeks after he finishes his interim uh, contract and just be that person who can pass on some information to Poch to you know about the players, how the team works, how the club works as well. I think that goes to show that, yeah, maybe he's not cut out to be Chelsea manager, but he cares about the club and he cares about what happens yeah. after he leaves. And I think that's what we need to remember Frank Lampard for being a Chelsea legend and thinking about Chelsea through thick and thin.
0: Yeah, it's true. It is true, 100%. Um, he, he delivered some really bad news, actually. And yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Mason Mount and Reese James both out for the rest of the season uh, in his press conference on Tuesday. I mean, I expected maybe uh, Reese James because he's just, I, I feel like we've probably seen the best of Reese James. I'll be honest. I don't know who we're going to see the the, the Rhys James have evolved anytime soon. And I said that a few months ago, um, but two massive blows, Mason Mount, I think out with a pelvic injury. He's had surgery on his uh, a pelvic issue. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but he requires surgery. And Rhys James is out with a hamstring, I think hamstring tear, I think, or some sort of hamstring injury, which he picked up at Real Madrid. Um, two massive losses, but it's going to sound horrible, but it's probably a good thing that they're both injured because it allows them more time to recuperate properly and not be rushed back into into a team that doesn't really have anything to play for. But what's your thoughts on on Reece James first of all? I mean, he's had a lot of injuries over the last two seasons, um, a player that we've heavily relied on and we we miss when he's not in the team. But do you feel that this is more like a maybe not a hereditary thing in terms of the the James family, but it seems to be a a reoccurring thing quite a lot of Rhys James. Do you think it's something where he'll be able to get over next season?
1: It's a tricky one, yeah. I mean, when I watched him against um, Madrid, he didn't look 100% fit in those those two games at the Bernabeu and at at Stamford Bridge. I mean, Vinicius had a field day against him and even at times he didn't have the ball, I was looking at him and he was kind of almost limping at times which told me me that he wasn't fit. And I don't think he has been fit even since returning from that injury he suffered back in October against AC Milan. I know he came back from that Boxing Day fixture against Bournemouth, got injured again, and then was kind of in and out of the team since then. But he hasn't looked fit all season. I do think it's this kind of recurring injury that he might just need to take three or four months out of the season to properly recover, take time to you know have a long rehabilitation period Um, And I do also feel for him because I think it's almost his build that kind of lets him down at times. I mean, I'm not criticizing his build, but he's got that build that reminds me of Michael Essien, very big calves, not exactly the tallest, but very muscly as well. And it just feels like you're putting a lot of weight every time you run and you're kind of prone to an injury at times. Um, But yeah, same recurring injuries, that same hamstring that seems to be popping up again. And um, I think it sounds terrible to say, like you just said, but I think better that it happens now than maybe start of next season when we're really going to have to rely on him. I mean, now eventually we could kind of deal with him for the next two months, if anything, give him good time to recover and we've got nothing to play for anymore. Um, shame, that's a position that we don't really have a natural fit in. That's the one thing that I'm a bit annoyed about because um, it would be good to maybe pick up at least a couple of points before the end of the year, especially that we're only 10 points above relegation. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think best that it happens now than um, you know, mid-August or, or September time.
0: Hmm. I agree I do agree I think um, I, I agree with you in some in all aspects but definitely the, the sort of carrying that muscle weight which is I think as of right I mean I I think back to Mika Richards when he was at Man City and even at Aston Villa I mean he was he still is a big guy <laughs> do you know what I mean he carries a lot of muscle um, and to play in that role as a right back or a right wing back and you're you're expected to run down the wing you're meant to lunge in, and the way Reese James goes in for tackles sometimes you can almost see how and why he gets injured because of the way he goes in for tackles or challenges um I I think back to a couple of seasons ago and again I don't want to sort this isn't body shaming so I hope it doesn't come across like this but he was he was a lot more leaner a lot more trimmed down and you know you could see that he was enjoying his football a lot more whereas now he seems to be just carrying a lot more muscle. And I don't think you can do that in the, the role that's expe- of it, is expected of him to play. I really don't. I think hopefully this season or during the, the, the break in the season, you know, he does sort of just maybe look after himself a bit more or, you know, that rest and recuperation might actually work in his favor. You know, is there a question that you don't take him to, you know, the preseason and he stays at home and, and carries on, you know, getting fit and, and maybe working on, on a sort of solo training Camp or whatever, but I feel there's something he just needs to maybe be managed better next season. And you kind of touched on a good point that we haven't really had anyone that can play in that position really. So when Reese James is potentially fit, if we want to call it that, he's almost been forced back early from an injury. Whereas I think next season we'll have Gusto, hopefully, if he's one of those players that will feature a lot more gives us an option you know. we've got an option now where we, we can maybe leave Reese James out of a I was going to say like a Brentford but he's probably the worst example but you know what I mean like a I don't know um, Burnley for instance if we're doing okay next season and Burnley are mid-table we can kind of maybe give Gusto that, that, you know, that game to play or if it's a cup game we can give Gusto the game or we've got a really good you know uh, FA Cup run we can give him the game so I think there's times where we can try and manage his time a bit better next season but Uh, Mason Mount another one pelvic injury I feel like he's been playing through that for a while I'll be honest I think that's why he's not been featuring maybe that's why he's not been playing well as well we talk about his poor form and his dipping form maybe he's been playing through it he's tried to nurse it through and and, and play on but um, it it does beg the question I mean obviously Mason Mount being out for so long there's a lot of sort of praise around him in in terms of um, from frank lampard and that he still wants to be at the club and he can't really um persuade him to stay By there's been talks ongoing i think there was talks last friday with bowley and mason mount um and mason mount put out an instagram caption as well and it almost kind of feels that he wants to stay at the club i feel like he wants to but maybe on his terms do you, do you get that do you think that's the, the the case with mason mount
1: yeah i feel like like you just mentioned i think he's been playing he's been nursing that injury for a while now and almost been playing through the pain which maybe explains why he hasn't been performing because we saw last year he was our player of the season the season before that he was our player of the season and he was also our most kind of creative hub when it came to creating chances getting balls into the box set pieces but we haven't seen that from the mason mount this season so um but i also feel like there's something we don't know like he wants to stay but it's almost things outside of his control that are you know, he's looking elsewhere. I mentioned it on here so many times, but when you've got a player like Carney Chukamweka, who's on more money than you, and you know, you're almost, I don't want to say a club legend, but you've been one of the best performing players in the last two, three years. It's a big kick to the teeth in a way. It's, it's, it's not, it's not a nice feeling. So I'm sure he's almost tr- asking for more money, but the club aren't willing to give him the more money unless it's maybe a seven or eight year contract, which he's not willing to sign. I also know that, know that he had very positive talks with Todd Bowley, according to some sources um, this week, Um, I'm sure if you're a boyhood Chelsea player the last thing you want to be doing is going to United sure maybe you do want to go there if it means more for football but if you're you know you've got a guaranteed spot in the lineup you're you're a two-time player of the season you're loved by the fans your your whole family I think lives around Cobham and you know you don't live from your you're too far from your family home in Portsmouth as well I think it's it's a shame it's a real shame and I think that post he put up where he's kind of updating the fans on his surgery with a big smile on his face and I think it read somewhere in the caption can't wait to see you again soon it's almost an indication that he's pushing to stay and I do think the more and more I think about it I think he is going to stay I've got a feeling he will
0: and I mean we have to remember Mason Mount is only 24 years of age Mm. so I know in football terms that could be deemed as your peak years you know you should be at the top of your game at 24 but it's still quite relatively young And my worry
1: is, I mean, yeah, he had a bad season and now he's back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's in, he's in that bracket for me. He's in that bracket of, you know, players are going to have dips in form. Um, you have to think there's been a lot of competition around his, his place as well. You know, look at Charles Felix coming in, um, you know, all these players that we've brought and signed to potentially play in that sort of role and Cuckoo, another one that's you know lined up to turn up in the summer as well. Um, I'd be, I think it'd be silly to... I mean, there's been talk now about Arsenal potentially coming in for him as well. Liverpool is the big key one. You know, Thomas Tuchel, as you said, about Kovacic is a big favourite of Mason Mount as well. So... You know, there's so many options for him as well, and to, I think it needs resolving. I think you know that the owners want to try and resolve it. Mason Mount, I think, is is willing to, and I think Topo is willing to reduce down that eight year deal to maybe a three or four. But I think it's now a wage structure, like you said, about you know Chukwameka earning more, and he just wants to be paid in, in with you know, in in line with other players. So I, I, I hope there's a re- resolution that we can come to uh, in the next couple of weeks or so. But I wanted to just keep on the injury thing. I wanted to talk about. um the physio and I haven't got his name to hand, so apologies. But um, yeah, I did have Car- it to hand. Torello, I think, or so. oh, maybe wrong. We're gonna go I with that. It might be that. We're <laughs> gonna go with that. That's his name. <laughs> it's better than Patrick, but um, but I think the fact that you know the players have almost whether it's a team meeting or whatever, they've demanded that the physio that was sat, to think, in October or September, maybe October, um, around those those sort of timelines was sat and is now been returned, you know, been recalled, begged to come back to the club. It tells you that obviously there's a lot of issues around behind the scenes that we don't really know about, we're not privy to. Um it kind of sums up the season a bit more, how much of a circus um owners have been this season in terms of getting so many things wrong. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on on the return of of uh, it should have been Eva to be fair how we should have <laughs> gone all the, gone all the way back and brought Eva back with them as well. What's your thoughts on the physio coming back? Um, might help us next season.
1: Yeah, I mean we have to remember these footballers. They there's so much rehabilitation, kind of recovery, um, time in the treatment room of injuries. These these physios become their mates. They do become their mates, and um, I think I got his name it's Jose Calvaro. Um, there were pictures of him with Kepa and Aspillaqueta in the in the plane after the we came back and we won the Super Cup and the Club World Cup. He was holding the trophies. He was sat next to the players on the bus, the plane. So I think he is a he is a favorite, and that what we just saw now that the players, were, you know, they plead with the ownership for for him to come back, it goes to show that they they were unhappy in the period that he wasn't there, and there was also a massive increase in injuries we were we were having as well, and decisions that didn't seem right, like rushing Reese James back for him only to get injured again. And I know we did suffer with a lot of injuries last season, the same kind of players, the Chillwells, the Rhys Jameses, but there was a long period as well. I think we had players missing because of COVID. It wasn't just injuries. Yep. Whereas this year, it's just been, I've never, I can't remember a season where we've had so many injuries. And it's, not, it's almost injuries where a player comes back, gets injured, um, while he's on in a treatment room, his replacement gets injured, I think it was a yeah. game against Fulham where Zachariah, Koulibaly and someone else might have all got inj- injured in the same game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's good that the, the owners or whoever's making those decisions listen to the players. Um, because if this guy is a favourite and he can get the players to kind of recover better and also increase their overall mood, mood around Cobham and in the dressing room, then I think that's a huge bonus as well. Because um, like I've said a few times, I think there's more than just a performance on the pitch. There's something that's not right in the dressing room. And I think um, that starts as well with the people that are around you. So, um, yeah, getting Jose Calvaro back hopefully will be a, a
0: positive note for the upcoming season. Yeah, and it's, it's a good it's a good thing to get him back now. Getting back now because obviously, you know, we know Reece James is out for the rest of the season. We know Mason Mount might miss the rest of the season, if not the last. You know, be, be ready for the last two or three games of the season. But it goes back to what we were just saying around that pre-season period and how crucial that's going to be. Maybe it's a, maybe it is a Potticino decision as well. Maybe he's asked for the previous medical staff to come back. But I do agree with you, you know, the, you, know you build up relationships, you trust people with your body, you know, the, the, this, you know physios know players' bodies probably better than they know their own body. So I think you have to have someone that you trust in and amongst that fitness room, the treatment room, um, getting these players back. And, you know, like you said, a, a lot of training injuries this season as well. I think Kai Havertz been another one who missed the game on on Wednesday due to a training ish- issue. Mason Mouth, if you remember, I think, was out not long ago I think with uh, a knock in training could have been a pelvic injury then but um, yeah good to see him back you know I don't think he should have ever been sacked in the first place I think we need to try and get the groundsman back as well I think that was disgusting to get rid of the the groundsman um, the way that they did you know just to sack him I think he'd been there for over nearly 20 years so you know it's it's just you can't come into a club and just you know, gut it out and strip it all the way back. You have to keep some of the foundations, and you know, you, these people have got livelihoods as well. You know, they're not on millions of pounds a season. So, you know, you, you know it's the owners—I uh, could go on about the owners all all, all day. But um,
1: I've just read now about
0: from...
1: um, jo- Jose Calvaro. Um, he's been at Chelsea since 2016, and during the period he wasn't at Chelsea when he got he left in October, he was at Como, Dennis Wise, and Cesc okay. Fabregas. So it goes to show that he's loved by Chelsea players, past and present. Chelsea, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, definitely a favourite amongst the the players in the current squad and uh, in the past as well.
0: Yeah, he needs to. He needs to stay. He can't go again. Um, bit of, bit of news in terms of this week. In terms of Xiao Felix and Romelu Lukaku, and it's, it's it's interesting because they're both two players. One I want to keep. One I don't want to keep. But both potentially facilitating moves to each other's clubs to facilitate the moves so um, Romelu I mean it's been a bit of mixture and we talk about him quite a bit on here recently but Lukaku coming back I think there's a meeting I think next week um, which involves I think you told me Onana as well which it's just it's blew my mind a little bit that one I don't, I'm not sure where to, to sit on that one but Lukaku potentially coming back I don't think Inter can afford him Um I can't remember if it was you or maybe I saw someone else. I think it was you that said maybe he goes to Atletico Madrid, which will help the move for, for Jao Felix. But I think from what I read yesterday about Jao Felix is that it's another loan deal. He's settled in London. I think it's going to be 80 million that it'll cost for the loan or something uh, with, with wages added on as well. What's what's your thoughts on Lukaku first? Because I, I can't remember if I spoke about it on the last episode with you, but I still think he has a role to play at the club
1: yes or no i still think he he might do i think it could be Bowley who wants to keep him it could be pochettino who values him as a player but if he's not committed to chelsea which he's proven to in the past and i don't want a player who's like that i don't want a bad egg in a dressing room who's going to to cause trouble or complain to other players or even post these cryptic instagram posts i don't want that and i think he's we saw that his transfer market values at 40 million now which has dropped massively since the 100 million that we paid for him but it's still money it's still money and we need to recoup a lot of money this summer it's a lot of
0: money to lose though isn't it it's a lot of money to
1: lose but it's also a big chunk of money to gain potentially if a club is willing to pay that for him because I don't think the club will be willing to pay that and his wages Um, so I think it's going to be tough to get rid of him so it could be kind of a case where we're forced to to keep him Um, I know that I think he had meetings as well this week to maybe talk again about his future at Inter Milan um, I think Atletico Madrid, there were talks as well of maybe having some kind of swap deal with Felix and Lukaku, but we pay a bit of money on top of on top of it because I think Felix is rated higher than Lukaku currently. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's decisions to be made. I I can't even see him turning up to pre-season on day one because I think he's going to want his um, future sorted either into Milan or another club before he comes to Cobham on the, the 1st of July, whichever day it is. Um, I'm sure he'd be posting all of his LA Instagram posts in the meantime though, like he's some kind of celebrity. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I just can't see him staying at Chelsea. And the more and more I think about it, I don't I don't want to see him back at Chelsea. I'd rather get rid of him and maybe spend more money on a Tony or an Osaman or even I dare I say a Harry Kane if Pochettino comes in. <laughs> I don't there know you're shaking your head but No, no, You never know. Been talks never today. say never.
0: No, no. But, uh, there's been there's been there's been talks or rumours of it if Pochettino comes in, you know, one one last uh, one last throw at the dice with Harry Kane and Pochettino, and I wouldn't be against it. I just, I just think for the money that Tottenham are going to want for him, I think he's thirty-one probably now. I think maybe thirty-one. Thirty, something like that. So, yeah. I just—I mean, I'm still going to scream Ivan Tony until he signs for a club. I'm—I'm I'm sorry, uh, I believe he is the man that will lead us to the the, the promised land again. Um, in terms of Lukaku, I have got a question for you. If it was a case of, uh, so it's going to be a very sort of—I need to get this right. So, if we we send Lukaku to Atletico on a permanent, we keep Felix on a permanent, but it means Mesa Mount leaves and goes to Liverpool. Would you be happy? <laughs>
1: in an ideal world I, I love um, Felix and uh, and Mason Mount to stay at Chelsea and somehow both play together or um, but I do think their their kind of skills and characteristics are kind of complementary and they kind of complement each other but uh, it's difficult to say um, I think if I had to choose I'd rather keep Mason Mount than Jal Felix if I'm completely honest I'd um, agree. I do feel I like, agree yeah I do think it's a lot of money to pay as well for Felix. I think he's valued at 80 million. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been good, but he hasn't been mind-blowing since coming to Chelsea. I think two goals since joining in January. I know he had that three-game suspension of the red card he picked up at Craven Cottage, but I think he's even. Yes, he didn't start against Brighton. He didn't start against Brentford. Um, he, he's not kind of the first name on the team sheet every week now. But um, but yeah, I think it's got to be Mason Mount. I think um, the potential of Mason Mount is probably higher than
0: Jael Felix's. I'd agree. I'd agree. I'd love to see. I'd love to see me some outstays. I still think there's a player in there, um, you know, someone who who knows the club inside and out, someone who could go on to be, and I'm not saying he's not already, but someone who could go on to be a real legend at the club and you know cement himself as one of the the real top legends at the Chelsea as well. So, you know, and I think the price for Charles Felix, Felix uh, he's a good player, and I love, you know, he's easy on the eye. He does a lot, but I think in terms of what we've brought him in to do, and I know that's not as simple as he, you know. Assisting and scoring goals, but I don't think he's done as well as I expected him to do uh, in the loan deal that he's had so far. Um, and if it means we keep Lukaku at the expense of keeping Mason Mount, I think I'd rather that than sign Jhar yeah, Felix when we still need it. We, you know, we still then, then need another striker, maybe another two strikers. We can't re- rely on Brojo. I still don't think Nkuku is the answer going forward. We'd still need a goalkeeper and a DM, and we still have to uh, you know comply with FFP and also. Get rid of players as well in the summer. So I think, I, I do think I, I would take a gamble on keeping Lukaku. And if next season we end up selling him or giving him away for free, then at least uh, we still got Mason out of the club. And we probably addressed all the other issues in terms of buying a striker and getting a goalkeeper and getting a DM as well. And if it means we lose Lukaku for free, then so be it. He's not so bit. You know, if we don't use him, we've still got a striker, we've still got the goalkeeper, we've still got a DM, and we've still got Mason out at the club. I think that for me would be an ideal situation. But to lose Mason out to a rival, whether that's a, you know England or abroad, it would, it would, yeah, we'd we'd, we'd look back on that as a Kevin De Bruyne, a Mo Salah, that sort of loss at the club. You know, would be a big one. So, um, yeah. Just what I'd throw that out there. Just thought I'd throw that in to yeah. everyone who's listening and you, just to make sure everyone realizes what's at stake here. Sometimes you've got to take back some shit to get some good. So if it means we've got to take back Lukaku for a season or two and he plays a bit part, then so be it. But if we lose Mason Mount and if he rediscovers his form at Liverpool or Arsenal or whoever, it's a Kevin De Bruyne moment again. And we we know what Kevin De Bruyne can do, and most sellers been doing for, for Liverpool. So it's a big loss, I think, in the long run. Definitely, yeah. No, we can't afford to lose um, Mason Mount, and I'm I'm
1: confident he'll regain that form. And kind of once he recovers from that pelvic surgery, hopefully we'll see Mason Mount back to his best next season.
0: Yep, yep, I agree. Let's let's talk. Let's stick with Arsenal. Um, and no, no, no. My Arsenal mates are talking to me because I've terrorised them for the last forty-eight hours in WhatsApps, on Twitter, and any way possible. Um we surprised you don't have a City kit on right now. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know, it was tempting. Uh, it was tempting. I finally feel comfortable putting on a football top, actually, for the first time in how long. But um, Arsenal on Tuesday, Emirates, we could have probably arguably, we said our season's over, but we lied. It's not because we have a massive say in who wins this Premier League. Now, if we beat Arsenal on Tuesday, I'll be honest, it feels like a cup final. If we beat Arsenal... And this is how low up my standards are. So this is very shameless and I don't care. But if we beat Arsenal, it will feel like a cup final to me. It will feel like we've won a trophy because we know then that they can't win the Premier League. And if we've got, we always have that on Arsenal. We will always have the fact that we stopped them from winning the league. I'll take it this season. I'm shameless and I'll take it. I don't care. What's your thoughts before I get myself in more trouble? But what's your thoughts on uh, Arsenal on Tuesday? Big game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We handed it on a plate to Leicester in 2016 against Spurs. It'd be just as enjoyable if um, Arsenal bottle it against us at, at the Emirates and hand it to City. Um, yeah, it's it's like you said, it's, it, could, it could feel like a cup final. And I think if we just pick up any kind of a result, it will kind of spur these players on for the rest of the season. And um, we've got nothing to play for anymore. Let's be honest. Um, they've got more to play for than us. But I think these players need to realise that it's a London derby. There's bragging rights at stake. There's a lot of pride at stake as well. We can't afford to let Arsenal just like treat us like like little kids in the playground and you know, bully past us and play their football, which they've been doing all season except for the last few weeks. So um I think it's gonna be a very tough game. I don't think we have had a very a good record at the Emirates at all other than that two-nil win um start of last season and um the reverse fixture this year I think was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen Chelsea perform in alongside the Brentford one on Wednesday. Um mm. Yeah, on kind of on paper, I think Arsenal should be winning as comfortably. But I think um, this is when I really want to see the real Chelsea. Um, I want to see that Frank Lampard who was running down a touchline when Tammy Abraham scored um, in his first <sighs> stint at Chelsea. That's the Chelsea yeah. I want to see that kind of don't give up until the very end. Um, I do find it hard to, uh, to visualise that scene that we can't even put the ball in the back of the net right now. But um, but yeah, I think if there's one game we need to kind of just give it our all and 100% and see these players just commit to the badge and play with a bit of hunger and passion and pride is this one on Tuesday at the Emirates, 8pm. And um, yeah, like you just said, there'd be nothing better than um, than Arsenal bottling it against Chelsea. I think it'd be the highlight of the season alongside the Ace of Milan win, the Borussia Dortmund win, and hopefully um, the Arsenal defeat or draw
0: on Tuesday evening. Yeah, it's it's gonna. I, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll be honest. I think I know. It's I know it's so petty and it's shameless and it's 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 not the standards of Chelsea. I I know that you know really, you know looking forward to stopping another team from from winning the league. But I think you're right. I think you know Arsenal have a lot to play for. We're probably playing them at the best time of the season where they've they've hit that sort of wall in terms of getting results. I think they want a, a a run of four games without a win. Um, Saliba's still out. You know, holding doesn't look the best in that defensive line as well um I expect a lot from this I don't I, this season's been so poor but it's games like this I don't care about form or where we are in the league make sure we win this game we can't afford to lose this game um off the back of a poor season but I think if we I, I think it comes back to what we said at the start of this episode you know the lineup has to be spot on and whether we have to revert back to a back four change something out think Arteta we've got to be smart in this game because, you know, they still are a threat going forward. Um, you know, the likes of Trossard, who I know has been sort of a off-the-bench player for them this season, but, you know, the likes of Jesus, um, you know, Jacques has had a really good season for them. They've got some really good, they've got some to fight for. Um, one thing that I do think will work in our advantage, I think City play on the Saturday or the Sunday before the Tuesday. Now, if City win that game, mentally, that's a tough thing for Arsenal to have to come into a game on Tuesday night big game whether they want to call it that or not this season but it's a massive game for them to come into knowing that City have potentially won their game at the weekend and closing that gap even more I think City still have two games at the moment as it stands two games in hand I think ahead of Arsenal so even if they lose or they uh, sorry if they win on Tuesday City is still really technically in the driving seat so um, what's your thoughts on how we should line up I mean Obviously the, the back five hasn't worked, that three in midfield hasn't worked, that lone striker or false lone nine striker hasn't worked. You know, is this a time where we bring back Pierre Rukabamiang and give him, you know, one little final send-off, you know, coming back. I wanna say Adabior, um I think it was when he was at Man City <laughs> and he literally ran the whole length of the pitch and celebrating in front of the the Arsenal. I wanna see that that's the sort of energy I need from the team on on uh, Tuesday. But what's your thoughts on how we should line up?
1: Yeah, I mean, if we if we go over back three, we just can't play Aspi at right wing back again. I think that's an experiment we've tried. It worked well under the two quarter times, but not anymore. Uh, he doesn't have the legs for it anymore. He doesn't track back uh, with enough pace. So I think that can't happen again. I think if we do play over back three, it needs to be Chile and Loftus-Cheek as, as the wing backs. Yeah. Um, Fofana, um Silva, potentially Chilob- Chil- Chiloba or um, or Aspi as, as one of the centre-backs. Um, yeah, we can't be having badger shield I keep forgetting about Badger shield yeah, yeah. badger shield <laughs> sorry yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, badger shield sorry and um, midfielders I stick with Enzo and Kante but I drop Kovacic for this game I don't want to see him hovering around that kind of three midfield um, or yeah. in a double pivot I don't want to be seeing that and then my front three has got to be Felix Mudrick and Obama Young probably mm. I think if you yep. base it on form and players that can provide you with goals or at least a bit of attacking flair it's got to be those three
0: in my opinion, yeah, I, I'm going exactly with that. I, that would be my lineup as well. I think Aubameyang who, and I, I need to reread the stat, but I'm sure he had more shots on target. Um, I, I think against you Brentford. sent it me or someone's yeah. yeah against Brentford than than we've had in how long? He's just ridiculous, you know. So I think we need a goal scorer on the pitch on Tuesday, whether that's Fafana, uh, that David Dutra Fafana, or pierre emerick Aubameyang, it has to be one of the two. We can't go into that game with this sort of, you know, lone striker with Sterling who just runs around and, you know, just throws his arms in the air if he doesn't get a decision, go against him, or go, go, his, go his way. So, yeah, Mudrick, who I thought was really good on, on uh, Wednesday, Felix is going to start because the, the cost of the loan tells you that, you know, you want to get your money's worth out of him, but we've got to win. I don't Let's care how, don't... statistic we've
1: conceded less goals this season than Arsenal defensively as well yeah the defense hasn't been our problem this season it's been scoring the goals but that statistic shows that Arsenal do concede them as well so if we do go the right kind of front free I think it's an opportunity to maybe like you said holding looks a bit shaky they don't have Saliba it's an opportunity for us to maybe get something out of this game and bring Yang back in who's going to want to prove something against his old team and an old coach which I think they didn't see eye to eye to, uh, towards the end. And we saw that in the Amazon prime documentary. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I still think he wouldn't celebrate, but I would love to see that an added by your run towards the, the away fans. Mm.
0: I think he will. Yeah. I think he will. I think if he's going back to Barcelona, which is what the talk is, he's only got a few more weeks, months in London. He can be, be free in Barcelona again. to an extent. He, he, won't um, his,
1: he won't get his house egged the next
0: day. Yeah. 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 Well. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say something but I forgot we're recording the football podcast. Um yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a, a difficult game. Um but I think this is these are the sort of games regardless of form, regardless of where we are in in the league, you know, Ramsdale's looked a bit off, you know, the last couple of games as well. So, you know, we've we've got we've got to take this as a a, a massive game still. This is a like you said, a derby it's key, it's crucial. So before we wrap up, as always, predictions. I'll let you go first.
1: I'm gonna go nil nil. I don't know why it's gonna be a nil nil. I think, I think we're gonna we might even park the bus and Arsenal just might just not take their chances. Um, but yeah, nil nil.
0: I'm gonna go one nil. I don't know reason I say one nil. Oh yeah, Chelsea, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I'm gonna say one nil because I want to see Abameyang <laughs> Do the knee slide in front of the Arsenal fans. In fact, no, in front of Arteta would even be more funny if he done it in front of Arteta. Um, he'd probably get booked if, for uh, it, if, but...
1: If he does that, I'll make it my, my profile picture on Twitter for
0: the next three months. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, I know it's a Chelsea podcast. I don't know if you got to see what Paddy Power did outside the Emirates um, after their game midweek. So they had a massive like champagne bottle, like inflatable, and it must have been... like It must have been... I don't know, house. It was massive. It was the size of a house. And they had it outside the Emirates and it had bottle jobs on. So, and this is, I mean, these are the things that we have to take into that game. We cannot have Arsenal winning the Premier League. So we have to do everything in our powers to stop that from happening. So I'm going to go 1-0. You'll go 0-0. I'll take either result after this season. I don't really care as long as we stop them from winning the league. So either way, that's a, that's a good shout from both of us. Um, let us know what you think in the comments as well. Let me let us know if you think we're going to beat Arsenal. Can we stop them from winning the Premier League? Let us also know about all the stuff we've spoken about on this week's episode. Um, don't forget to subscribe if you're on YouTube. Make sure you hit that Linktree link in the description. Theo, as always, thank you very much. Enjoy the long bank holiday. We can watch football without any pressure or any stress this weekend until Tuesday. But enjoy the weekend when you get to it. Thank you very much, everyone else, for listening. Episode 91 from The Shed End. We'll be back next week with another episode.